Once again, welcome everyone. We uh, delight to see all of you this evening. So since the, the last time I gave a talk here, there was a chunk of two weeks um, and that I'd mostly cleared my schedule in order to be on silent retreat. Yet what actually happened was this whole journey through COVID. And not only a whole journey through COVID, but also caring for Robin, my partner, who also came down with uh, COVID. And I want to be clear for those of you on uh, here in person, on Zoom, you really don't have to worry. Uh, but uh, please don't worry. I have been testing the last few days. I've been negative all those times. I checked in with a, a medical professional just to double check. Is it really okay for me to come? in public and, and she was like, totally. So just so you know, um, I am not contagious around that. So I do wanna uh, point that out for those of you in person. And what I, what I at first thought would be a mild case turned to be, uh, turned out to be quite otherwise. You know, as the Vipassana teacher, Michelle McDonald once said, she said, the line between everything being okay and everything not being okay is very thin. You ever have this experience? You're going on in life and everything's okay. And it can feel like the line is so thin when you step into and everything's not okay. This is the uncontrollable nature of being a human being, isn't it? And so I had a retreat. It just ended up being the retreat of sickness. So I wanted to share with you some reflections about my retreats on sickness. There was a, a character in these early texts by the name of King Pasanadi. He was a, a practitioner of the Buddhas. And he had this reflection arise for him, which the, the Buddha had confirmed. This is what's said. This is from one of these early texts. He says, there are these three things which the whole world does not like to, does not like to think about. What are the three? They are old age, sickness, and death. These are three things which the whole world does not like to think about. If, we're, if there were not these three things which the whole world does not like to think about, Buddhas and Tathagatas, Tathagata is another name for the Buddha, Buddhas and Tathagatas would not appear in the world and the world would not come to know the teachings realized by Buddhas and Tathagatas. Because there are these three things in the world that one does not like to think about, old age, sickness, and death. Therefore, Buddhas and Tathagatas appear in the world, and the world comes to know and understand the teachings realized by the Buddhas and Tathagatas. Isn't that an interesting reflection? The Buddha taught because there is sickness, 
This is one of the reasons why he taught. And because we don't like to think about sickness. He taught because of this difficult dimension to being a human being. This is what him, got him curious about this path and this practice. And people like you and me come to know and understand the teachings of this path because there is sickness. It's because that I have a body that can get sick that I can come to understand this path and practice. I find that striking. There's something important about reflecting on this aspect of being a human being, about this aspect of getting sick, especially because this is why Buddhas teach, why Tathagatas teach, because there is sickness and it's because it's one of those three things that people really don't like to think about. And Buddhas, to remember, they're like you and me. They're human beings. And this is, this is especially the case in some of this earliest literature where you get to see the Buddha as being very human. He's just, he's just a regular guy. You know, he he looks, looks like other human beings. For example, his, his half-brother, Nanda, was often mistaken. People would mistake the Buddha for Nanda and Nanda as, as for the Buddha. And the same with Mahakasapa, that people couldn't tell him apart. And King Ajasatsu was, was unable to tell uh, who was the Buddha and who was the other monks. The Buddha, in, in many ways, was just one of the crowd. And he went through these th three things. He got old, as Ananda said about him. You know, it seems like Ananda was just kind of clear about these things, you know? He's talking about the Buddha. He says, it is strange. It is a wonder how the skin of the Buddha is no longer clear and radiant. How all the limbs now are slack and wrinkled. How stooped his body is and how a change is to be seen in, in the abilities in his eyes and his ears, his nose and tongue and body. The polite way of Ananda saying to the Buddha, dude, you're getting old. I can see it. <laughs> And, and the Buddha says this about himself, you know, in his older years. He says, just as an old cart can be kept going, going by being held together with straps, so too the Tathagata's body can only be kept going by being held together with bandages and straps. He gets old like we do. He gets sick like we do. It said that this is how the Buddha died. He ate something, he got food poisoning, and he died. This is, was part of his path too. And this is part of why I practice. I practice because I can get sick like I just did. I'm going to die, and there's a good chance then I'm going to continue to get old. And why I need the practice is because what I notice about my mind, this is one of the things that got revealed on my sick retreat, is my mind can fight with these facts in a way that can find and constrict my heart and my life. Have you noticed this with your own mind? How it does this? How it's in contention with experience? 
the poet uh, John Newlove puts uh, kind of gives words to in, in such a simple way this fighting with with these these facts about our body. He says, "Nothing I read prepared me for a body this unfair." When my body gets sick or begins to function in ways I and uh, in, in, begins to not function in ways that I want it to function, it can feel unfair. Have you had that experience? Whether it's around an ability or a sickness, this shouldn't be happening to me. And those thoughts can come up. But why does this happen to happen to happen to me? What did I do wrong? I must have made a mistake somehow. And what I've noticed about my mind is, is what can underlie such of these notions is that the natural normal state of being a human being is being a healthy, abled body human being and that it should continue that way. And you might notice how we can hold these ideas of that's what a human being is. It's the, it's the, it's the human beings that have an abled body in a particular way, and that's healthy. And I, I wanna state the obvious. Yes, it's important to care for these precious bodies of ours. That's so important, at least it is for me in my life. But I wanna do so without denying the inevitable as well, without fighting with the inevitable. Because it can be so deep. There can be a sense, and I notice this sometimes in these, these this COVID bout, is uh, almost like this underlying sense of when I'm well, that's who I am. That's really who I am, is when I'm well. And when I'm not well, when I'm, out of, uh, when I'm sick, I'm out of sorts. Sometimes people use that word, I'm out of sorts. I'm not feeling like myself. As if the healthy one, that's me, and the other one, that's, that's not me. And I wanna get back to me. And sometimes that's what comes when one feels better. Oh, I'm feeling back to who I am. It can be so pervasive. I, I remember noticing this, it was kind of like this thought or felt sense arise in the midst of these, these two weeks where it was like the sense of, I just don't wanna get back to my life. It really felt that way. I was sick of merely being in bed and sleeping and sleeping and feeling horrible. But truly, there is no life I can get back to. I only have the life right now. That's all I have. No matter how much I want to go back in time to that other me, that other me doesn't exist. I just have right now. And I think this is where Dharma practice, this path and practice can come in that I find so helpful. Where I begin to ask myself, really, Brian, really, what's going on here right now? What, what is this human experience? To step out of this kind of pushing and fighting, right? I really want to get back to that life. I'm, I'm only who I really am when, when I'm well and healthy. What's really going on here? What is truly my human experience when I slow down and look at it? Because what's more accurate 
when I closely notice the unfolding of my life is that it's a spectrum from being well to being sick. And it goes through various degrees of this with different rhythms in my life, whether that's physical health or mental health, there's a whole spectrum there. Even in these last few weeks going through this whole COVID thing, sometimes I have more energy or less energy and this continues. Sometimes I feel quite healthy and energized and then other times fatigue. Sometimes there's a lot of brain fog and then a spurt of clarity. Oh, this is what my human experience really is. It's not like here I am healthy and here's this deviation or aberration called sickness. And I experience that and I come back. It's much more complex than that. At least this is what I find out about the human experience for myself. It's, it's not like I'm some kind of person with a singular baseline and everything or everything else is deviations from that. Rather, there's this whole spectrum that I'm describing to living and to being that, that my heart is continually traversing. The writer Susan Sontag speaks to this. She writes, everyone who is born holds dual citizens, citizenship. One citizenship is in the kingdom of the well, the kingdom of the healthy. And the other, in the kingdom of the sick. Although we all prefer to use the good passport, the one for the kingdom of the well, sooner or later, each of us is obliged, at least for a spell, to identify ourselves as citizens of that other place, the kingdom of the sick. I hold two citizenships. This is what comes with being a human being. And, and some of what I notice my fighting with this is that uh, I, it's like beginning to come to terms that I can't control this whole process. I can influence it, but I do want to influence it by taking care of my body and my health. But my mind so often is wanting more control and influence of experiences than it really does. Have you noticed this? This is, this is the edge. This is the core dynamic that the Buddha is attempting to address, how my mind can fight with the inevitable. Yes, it's important to influence. But you don't have complete control. And this is part of this path and practice. It's addressing the mind that wants the world and people and experiences to conform to what it wishes. And most of those wishes, at least what I've noticed, really aren't that possible. And the cool thing is, is the more I see this dynamic of my mind with mindfulness, my mind and heart can begin to let go of the fight, the unneeded fight. Because the fight, at least what it seems to me around sickness, just makes it worse. This is the human experience that the Buddha is trying to point out. 
in this relationship, how the mind can get fight with it. And here in these last couple of weeks, I've had this relationship with this particular virus. And viruses are so fascinating. I think this is one of the things that came out of this. You know, I, I'm now forever changed by this virus. And being changed and shaped by viruses has been going on in my genetic history for billions of years. I didn't know this before I got COVID. And my genetic history being shaped by viruses for this so much time, it's, it's allowed certain things. Like my system cannot digest starch because of the influence of viruses on my system. And the influence of viruses on my system has made me immune to some diseases and true, susceptible to other diseases. It's, it's thought that viruses emerged around the time of the beginnings of life, some 3.5 billion years. There's different theories. You know, one theory even says that viruses come just before life or they co-emerge in these different ways. That's part of being a human being is viruses. Viruses make up close, the genetic material coming from viruses make up close to 10% of the human genome. They are intertwined with your very being. Viruses, they're a part of being a human being in all these complex ways. And again, it doesn't mean I'm here to be complacent. I wanna care for this precious body. But caring feels so different than resisting or being in contention with being sick or unhealthy at some point. Right, because I can get hooked by the sense of, I just wanna get back to my life. As I said, there, there is no life for me to get back to. I just have this life right now. And during this time, what I found that can help me land the sense of I only have this life right now is to bring some mindfulness to the experience of being sick. And sometimes this is, I actually had two surges of, COVID symptoms, which I'll talk about a little bit later. So the first one is much easier during the first one. Um, sometimes the exploration of mindfulness was so interesting. It would simply be around relaxation, what we began with. Because what, what I started to notice, and I was, so, I was so grateful that a teacher pointed this out, especially around uh, sickness, is I would wake up in the middle of the night and I just noticed my body clenching and contracting. And just the relaxing, just to be like, oh, Brian, all you need to do is relax. Just that there was a kind of opening and relaxing that reduced the suffering from being sick. And I wouldn't say that the experience got more uh, pleasant or less unpleasant. It's just, I wasn't fighting it as much on a bodily level. And it was just one of these skills that we learn in meditation is just to relax the body, to open, to be okay with that. 
And then at other times, and, and as I said, this is especially with the first round of symptoms, uh, when I felt like I had just a bit more energy, resting in kind of a spacious awareness where it's like, okay, this, this sickness is just moving through. There's this awareness that feels stable and steady and sickness. It's just a visitor. It comes and goes like the clouds. This is a pretty a cloud that's hanging around for, for a while, but that's all it is. To begin to find a different place to rest than resting in the sickness. And then it was like there was space to be sick, but it wasn't my home. Do you hear around these practices? I was allowing my heart and body to be with sickness rather than to resist it out of reactivity. And even if it was just for a few minutes, because sometimes it would only happen for a few minutes, I could feel the difference. This is one level of Dharma practice that I'm sharing with you, which I started with simply taking in the fact that illness is a part of life. It's not some kind of moral failure, which sometimes is kind of all of us conveyed that if one gets sick, that somehow one is a moral failure. It's just, at least from a Buddhist point of view, it's just about being human. And then supporting the mind and the heart and not fighting this inevitable fact around such practices, coming into relationship with illness. I want to offer just a few more ways to bring dharma into this realm. And hopefully you can hear that these can be applicable not just to sickness, but to many challenges that come with being a human being. I also want to point out how I'm located. Yes, I, I, I'm afforded, I, I was afforded during the sickness the environment that makes it easier for me to be able to explore sickness on this level. I think this is important to acknowledge. I have friends and family or, who are there for me in times of sickness, and that makes a huge difference to create a, a, an environment where I can explore this. This is why community is so important in this path. And I have food and shelter. And with these, having these basic needs met, I think it makes it more possible to engage in these practices. One of the things that I found helpful at times was to nurture, you could say, perceptions or frameworks that allow sickness, and this is going to sound strange, to allow sickness to be deeply meaningful for me on this journey of the Dharma. To be able to say, oh, this is so meaningful for me. This, this, this experience is so important for me. Because if, if your mind is like mine, often something will happen to me like this. And it's like, damn it, this thing is getting in the way of my practice. And once it's over, I'll be back to Dharma practice where I can meditate. Am I the only one that does this? Right? It's that, that sense, but oh no, the, this, this challenge is, is practice. So in light of other perceptions, not only is sickness a part of the human experience, what I found helpful was to, to allow myself to perceive it as allowing it to be some kind of sacred gift. Oh, this is a gift that's being given to me. Here is this sacred gift that's being given to me. I know it sounds completely crazy. I find it so helpful. I get it from this, um, actually this teacher, Rob Berbea, who uses this framework as he was going through um, uh, uh, 
pancreatic cancer, which he eventually died from. And towards the end, he was an incredible amount of pain, but he was able to land the sense of, oh, my illness is a sacred gift. And it's because of this that I can come to understand, as King Pasanadi was saying, the realization of the Buddhas and Tathagatas, ah, here is my opportunity for deeper understanding and wisdom. And if it's a gift, it confers upon me this sacred, journey, uh, this sacred duty to learn from sickness. That's, that's my role, my duty. You, you find this in an early, a later Buddhist text. There's a, a, a Buddhist text called the Vimalakirti Sutra, which is uh, about this practitioner, this lay practitioner by the name of Vimalakirti. And it's said that he becomes sick so that he can help all beings be free of the confines of sickness. And the whole story is around all these practitioners coming to pay respect to Vilmakirti when he's sick. And you get to hear how all of them learn so much when he's in the space because he's taken on the sickness to teach them. So it's a beautiful vision of of offering, offering whatever we have to help all beings become free. So sickness is a sacred gift. What can I learn? What did I learn from this sickness? What am I still learning from this sickness? You know, as I previously said, it, teach me, it teaches me about this mind and how it can be in contention with experience. And when I let go of that at contention, I'm, my heart is freer. And on another level, level, it feels like it's teaching me something about rhythm. I found the mind so interesting when I was sick. And when you reflect back on it, I think it's quite interesting. It's like my mind didn't have as much energy to think. There wasn't as many thoughts. There wasn't as enough, enough energy to worry, which was really quite relieving when I noticed that. I was like, oh, I'm just sick. I'm not worried. I'm sick. It disrupted daily routines. I, I had to slow down. There was a different sense of time where day and night blended. And it's this different rhythm, this much slower rhythm that I actually wanna remain in contact with. I don't know if you've noticed this about your life with a slower rhythm, it's in those times of slower rhythms in my life that wisdom arises, that compassion arises that I have a chance to transform my life. It was as if sickness was whispering to me, Brian, remember, remember this rhythm. It's so important for transformation. It's so important for freedom. And sickness also was teaching me just the need to soften and tenderize my heart towards myself when I'm sick. And there's like a certain tenderness that I gain from each time I'm sick for others who are sick. It's like, I get it, I'm there. And I can only learn that by going through it. So, so maybe you're hearing from this way of perceiving, this way of framing sickness. What begins to happen is I feel like I don't need to run away from this. I, I don't need to fight with it in the sense of demanding it to be otherwise. I can open to it, I can explore it, I can learn from it. 
And that's made all the difference for me around any challenge in my life when I can cross, cross over that threshold. And maybe you've noticed this for yourself when you're able to do that. And, and also I wanna be super clear, much of the explorations that I just shared with you, they happen within the first wave of COVID symptoms. So I had, so I had these COVID symptoms, they spiked, I was tired, and then I started to feel a little bit better. I was still taking care of my partner, Robin, she was a few days behind me. And then the second wave of symptoms happened just a couple of days afterwards. And I was so tired and exhausted, because it was so much more intense, that my practice, it just simplified to a basic kind of acceptance of the situation, intertwined with a patient, endur patient endurance. So I, I, I wanna point out, like I'm still learning this realm of sickness. And I noticed that I needed energy for some of these, these uh, ways of being with it. And, when there wasn't that energy, I needed to be patient in an enduring way. Just as King Pasanati was saying, uh, maybe illness, maybe challenge, you know, it's, it's maybe necessary. There's, there are sacred gifts to discover a different way of being in the world. This is where so much of the juice of spiritual practice is. The Zen master Dogen, he poses this, I think, in this short poem. He says, without the bitterest cold that penetrates to the very bone, how can plum blossoms send forth their fragrance all over the universe? The plum trees, they need the bitterest of cold in order to blossom into such beauty and to offer such wonderful fragrance to the universe. Here is this sacred gift of sickness. And it's because of this, I can un understand the realization of the Buddhas and Tathagatas. This is an opportunity. So like Vimalakirti, may we learn to liberate others through our inevitable journeys, through sickness, old age, and death. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.